every good artist knows, sometimes you need to break the rules to make a masterpiece. Whether the rules are interpretive, such as playing at a different dynamic or volume level than the composer intended, or literal, by not signing a standard musician's contract and starting a symphony of your own. That is exactly how the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra in Berlin, Germany, got their official start. Today, they are one of the world's top orchestras, but this was not an easy rank to achieve. Hi there, and welcome to episode 16 of 8 Minutes of Music History. I'm Ronan Goki, and today we will be learning about one of the most renowned orchestras in the entire world, the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra. In 1882, the 54 musicians playing underneath Benjamin Bills refused to sign their new contracts as they believed the terms were unfavorable. Those musicians set out and created the Philharmonisches Orchestra. This new orchestra struggled, being forced to perform more popular music in restaurants because they received no state funding. This contrasts with the orchestras of Vienna and Leipzig which were publicly funded and could choose music to perform based on artistic merit rather than commercial success. They survived by inviting world-renowned conductors, soloists, and composers, hoping they would attract an audience that would become long-term patrons. Through this type of recruitment, the Philharmoniker gained the attention of many popular artists. Clara Schumann, Johannes Brahms, and Antonin Dvorak are some of the bigger names that performed as guest artists and conductors, turning the eyes of Europe towards Berlin. World War I decimated the finances of the orchestra, as patrons were not going to concerts and soloists were not traveling between countries. In 1933, the Berlin Philharmonic's collective representative, Lorenz Hober, reached out to Adolf Hitler's new government for funding. Knowing that Hitler was smitten with the orchestra and their music director, Wilhelm Fernwängler, he was able to sell 100% of the orchestra's share to the German state, giving this new government complete control of the orchestra financially, and made the musicians civil servants under the new regime. As the Third Reich rolled over Europe, the Berlin Philharmonic was very much front and center. Throughout World War II, the Berlin Philharmonic was used by the Third Reich as cultural ambassador, performing all over Europe, at the opening of the 1936 Olympic Games in Berlin, for the Nuremberg rallies, and at Hitler's birthday celebrations. Being a musician in the Berlin Philharmonic seemed to be a dream job at the time, as they were exempt from military service, traveled throughout Europe performing, had a steady living wage, and were gifted valuable, rare instruments. Though it may seem as though the musicians were doing quite well for themselves from the outside, on the inside, the ensemble was struggling. Of the 101 musicians, only 15 joined the Nazi party, as many of the musicians simply wanted to perform their art and not give up the historical independence that the orchestra was founded on. The other point of contention were the four Jewish members of the orchestra, each prominent members of each group in both skills and position. Wilhelm Furtwängler ensured, through the highest levels of government, that these four musicians would not be harmed or forced to leave. However, as the government rule became more strict, these four Jewish artists left the ensemble and emigrated from Germany. 
Wilhelm Furtwängler hoped that his leadership would be able to keep the line drawn between the Third Reich's rule and the artistry of the orchestra. Unfortunately, that was not the case. In 1934, Wilhelm performed a piece by band composer Paul Hindemith. The ensuing political fallout forced Wirtwängler to resign from all his official positions. The German state began to use the orchestra more as a military unit under this new administration. Musicians traveled across the country on the Wehrmacht military trains. This allowed the ensemble quick transport, but also put them in harm's way as these trains were also moving German troops. It was through these tours that the members of the Berlin Philharmonic were able to see the terror and shifting tides of the war. Six orchestra musicians were lost to the war, either to bombings or suicide. In January 1944, the Philharmonie, the Berlin Philharmonic's performance hall, was destroyed during a British-American bombing raid. This gave way to a realization. With no headquarters, per se, and with the Third Reich focusing more on the war that they were losing, the musicians returned to their independent roots. They formed again, expelling those musicians whom had signed allegiance to the Nazis and cut all relationships with the Third Reich. The ensemble chose Furtwängler's assistant, Leo Bocard, to lead their first concerts. He was staunchly persecuted by Hitler's regime, and outspoken about its resistance to the war. He was exactly what the orchestra wanted as their new symbol. of the Nazis, conductor Herbert von Karajan guest-conducted the orchestra, and after Furtwängler's death in 1954, he was elected as chief conductor. It was under his leadership that the Berlin Phil became one of the top orchestras in the world. Karajan's greatest impact on the ensemble was his embrace of digital recording technology and media. It's said that the standard length of a CD was decided on so that Karajan's recording of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony would sit on one CD. Carry-on pushed for a new performance venue, and in 1963, the orchestra moved into their new state-of-the-art concert hall, the Philharmonie on Kemperplatz. Let's listen to Herbert von Carry-on conduct the Berlin Phil and Anton Dvorak's New World Symphony. else think that sounds suspiciously close to the Jaws soundtrack, or is it just me? In 1989, Claudio Abbado was announced as the new chief conductor of the Berlin Phil. He was introduced to the orchestra in 1966 as a guest conductor, and the press named him the greatest talent. It was no surprise when he was courted by the symphony upon Carrion's departure, as he was invited to conduct the ensemble more than 30 times before the author. When Abado became conductor, it was a brand new life for Germany. The Berlin Wall was just torn down, and the city of its origin was ready to start over anew. This new type of leadership led to the retirement of many older orchestra members, giving way to a wave of new, fresh-minded musicians. Though he left his position in 2002, he returned every May for the next 12 years to perform with the orchestra. In 2002, the Berlin Philharmonic invited Sir Simon Rattle, a prominent British musician, to become their next chief conductor. 
Marin Alsop, an American conductor of the Baltimore Symphony, said of Rattle's new appointment as conductor that it shows a new, fresh openness from one of the most conservative and traditional orchestra organizations in the world. As many of the past conductors of the ensemble had done, Sir Simon Rattle led the orchestra 58 times prior to his taking the baton. He continued what Carry On had started and pushed the orchestra into the 21st century through the Digital Concert Hall. This unique platform allows music lovers worldwide to watch the ensemble's concert live online, view almost all previously recorded concerts, or simply listen through their digital library. In 1882, a group of 54 musicians chose to form a symphony orchestra. Through the ensemble's financial struggles at the beginning, to their use at war propaganda and the loss of their own rights as artists, into the new and unique digital age, the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra worked tirelessly to earn their position amongst the top orchestras in the world. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 8 Minutes of Music History. Watch out for more in the future. Have a great day.